Hi, this is Rachel on Recover. We have Bex coming back, and we're just going to finish the interview for the second part. Revictimization or victim blaming? Um, I don't think there was, you know. I've never had the finger pointed at me, um, which I'm fortunate on. I know that a lot of people do go through that. Um, it depends. I'm not entirely sure what you mean by the term, the terms, but I mean, of course I repeated the pattern, right? I ended up in another abusive relationship, but I don't know. Would you class that as re-victimization? Um, yes. Um, because I mean, when you are repeating patterns, it's very easy to get re-vict, like that stuff comes back up again. So and but sometimes it's you know people making comments and other times it's people noticing you've got your shame or your bat signal saying hey i've been abused please come abuse me kind of thing and so and i i think predators or i mean people look for that and they know that they can abuse you because you've been abused yeah okay so i i understand what you mean so what I would say is that when I started dating again, when for the first time I was single in a long time, mm-hmm. that certainly the the type of person I attracted was not a good quality man, shall we say. <laughs> and that there was really clear that um, they were reading something in in me. I was obviously giving out a particular energy that invited me being hurt. And there was certainly a time in my life where I was drinking a lot and taking a lot of recreational drugs. And when I reflect back now, I mean, I was putting myself in some really dangerous situations with men, um, you know, really not taking care of my my health, my well-being, my safety, um, you know, both physically and sexually. Um, and I can see now that those are all ways of me just enacting that you know, that trauma and, you know, that just playing out in my life without me having any real understanding of what was happening. Um, so I can see how easy it is for that to happen. And I'm quite fortunate, I think, that nothing worse came of those situations. Okay. Um, has this impacted your career? <laughs> um it's impacted it in an incredibly positive way and also in an incredibly challenging way. Um, because it was very, very hard for me to put myself in the public eye and be seen. So, you know, the world of social media that we live in now, you, you know, you really do have to be okay showing up in the world, you know, speaking out, putting yourself on camera, making yourself seen. Um, And I really struggled with that for a long time. So it's been a real uphill battle to put myself out there and to speak about my story without shame. And that still comes up every now and again. (laughs) You know, even in the last couple of days, I've been speaking about some stuff and I could feel that familiar contraction in my throat, you know, that. (laughs) Um, So, but what it means is that for every step forward I've taken, 
I'm so damn proud of myself because I know what it took me to get there. And I don't want to lose sight of that, um, you know, to really say, yeah, you know what, this has been, this has been a long journey I've, and I've earned every single little bit of this. Okay. Um, we've kind of hit on this, but how has this impacted your dating life? Yeah, that's been an interesting journey in itself. <laughs> um, so I just spent the last two years in Central America. Um, and so I was traveling and working. And I had no plan to come back to the UK. Um, and I think it was the best thing that could have happened because I just took those two years completely out for myself. Like, okay, no dating, no nothing. And I think that was a really important foundation because now I can step in or I am stepping into the dating space knowing my value and knowing my worth for the first time in my life. And I think if you try to date without that, then that's when you invite in. And again, I've been here, right? I did all of this before. That's where you invite in all the relationships that are maybe either an imbalance in power or you know, maybe they're you know, toxic, unhealthy behaviors. Um, maybe it's that narcissistic codependent relationship. You know, I've been there before as well. <laughs> um, but knowing my value and being able to hold that position of knowing what is best for me and what I want, I think is the most powerful thing of all. Um, because I think, again, this is something that comes up a lot with trauma healing is that if we've not been in an environment when, when we're younger where it was okay for us to want things, okay, to express what we need and express what we want, then we can grow into adults who actually have no idea what we want. And it's very difficult then to enter a healthy relationship if we don't actually know what we want or what we're looking for in that relationship. I don't know if that resonates with you. Oh, yes. No, um, that's that's kind of the story of my life. Um, I've been in and out of abusive relationships probably since I was 14 years old. So I completely understand that. Um, how has this impacted your finances? Wow. There has been an awful lot of money spent on therapy. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't even want to know how much. <laughs> um, but let's see. You know, ultimately, it's a double-edged sword with like with a lot of these things. You know, on the one hand, yeah, there's been a huge financial investment to recover. On the other hand, it's led me to my purpose. And that feels like the most important thing to me, that I'm here on this earth and I'm living exactly what it is I was put here to do and I think that's so often with uh, with many of us that that pain becomes our purpose and then it becomes about something bigger than money and that's not to say that money isn't important of course um, but at the same time when I feel I'm operating from that space of you know truly living what I'm here to do then 
everything starts to flow a little more naturally. And the fact that I am able to, to give and to contribute to the health and the safety and the well-being of somebody else every single day is of much higher value to me than any number I could put on a ticket of the amount that I've spent on coaches or therapists. No, I get that. Um, like, has it ever kept you from like getting jobs or positions or your education? I've always worked for myself. <laughs> um, so I think um, that lo- I'm going to say that loner mindset, you know, I was, and you know, trauma isolates us, right? So that's the trauma response to say, I don't need anyone. I can do this by myself. I'm going to do it alone, which obviously doesn't serve us in many ways. But in the entrepreneurial world, it can be kind of helpful <laughs> because it can it can make you take risks and put yourself in spaces that perhaps you wouldn't have otherwise. So I have got, gone out alone and gone, you know what, like, I'm just going to give this thing a go. And there's been a lot of moments where my trauma has come up and has presented big challenges to me moving forward. But then I've just taken those as opportunities for growth. Okay, how can I keep moving forward? How can I keep moving through this? And yeah, there have been times when I've stayed stuck. And there have been times where it's taken me a lot longer to do something than I probably would have liked myself, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but then again, I think that's a big part of the, the healing journey in itself. It's accepting that the process takes the time that it takes and that we're here for the journey not for the that's so corny isn't it but it's so true um it's about the journey not the end result and it's about who you're becoming as you move forward on that journey um not about getting to an end point you know a job uh, an income goal uh, yeah yeah does that make sense no i get that um, how has this impacted your overall health long term? Well, it's funny because on the outside, you would have always considered me to be quite a healthy person, which is why I always say that, you you know, you should never judge a book by its cover because you would look at you would have looked at me in the past and said, fit, I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm athletic. But what you didn't see is all the unhealthy relationships with with food you know the exercising the burnout all of the stuff that was happening under the surface and I don't know for sure but I would guess that if I carried on on that path then at some point my body would have said no and there would have been some kind of illness or disease manifesting there like I can't say for sure um but I hope that I've managed to address this stuff at a point where I'm taking away some of the the pressure and the stress and the anxiety from my body so that I don't have to live withholding that as I move forward. Um, But there was certainly a lot of years of um, me treating my body very badly. Fair enough. Um, how has this impacted your social life? Well, I would have always called myself an introvert. 
Um, so I was never one for being in big crowds and big social environments anyway. And I think there's a fine line between introversion and isolation. Right? Being an introvert, you know, liking your own company, needing time to yourself to um, to refresh is absolutely fine. Um, but the, when that starts to step into isolation and disconnection, then, then it becomes a different story. And I think I probably walked that line for a very long time. <laughs> so sometimes it was a healthy way of um, of letting things happen. Sometimes it wasn't. And it, But again, with the knowledge that I had a few years ago, I didn't understand enough to know what was happening there, whereas now I do. And now I have that knowledge. Um I can choose. I think that's the the important difference. It's having the conscious awareness. Okay, are we consciously aware that we're taking time to ourselves to recharge, or are we shutting down as a trauma response? And that's the the important distinction, I think. Fair enough. Um, what are some of the hurdles along the way you, that you have not already mentioned? Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if this is a hurdle, but I would certainly say that this journey is not a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there've been moments where I thought, ah, oh, you know what? Like I'm there. Like this is it. I've, I've got it all figured out. I'm there. Um, coming back to the UK was one of those moments for example I was living in Mexico I ended up back in the UK by not by design I couldn't get an extension to my visa there and it was a last minute thing and I was in a really really good place there and then I came back to the UK to my family home that I haven't lived in for 20 years and boom (laughs) there was a whole other layer of stuff and I think there's something about that. It's about removing the expectation, okay, and just accepting that, yes, there will be periods of time where new stuff comes up, no matter where we are on this journey, and that's okay. You know, and that can, of course, the, the challenges, the hurdles, I think, get smaller over time, or we, maybe we just build a greater toolkit, greater resources to be able to deal with them over time. But I think the illusion that there's an end point is something that we need to remove. You know, it's just it's just the continuous path of life. And life continues to present challenges or hurdles. And it's how we develop the, the toolkit or the skill set to to bounce back from those. Um, you know, I say to clients sometimes that, you know, it's really important to measure, for example, let's say our typical pattern is to dissociate or disconnect. Okay, well, how long till you come back to connection? You know, is it, was it six months in the past right, before you reemerged from your depression or from, you know, shutting yourself away in your room? Okay, well, this time was it two months? And then two months become one month. One month is, you know, two weeks. And then we're talking a day. And, you know, those periods of time that it takes us to 
re-regulate ourselves and get back to being able to go about our day-to-day life, I think is a really important measure. So it's that, okay, the hurdles are going to come. And can we accept that? Can we welcome them? Can we just know that being as, as part of the journey and learn how to skip over them a little bit faster each time? <laughs> um, how has this affected your long-term mental health? Were there much depression, anxiety? Um, well, I was completely disconnected from myself. You know, um, again, I don't know if your listeners know much about uh, polyvagal theory, but uh, that is the survival response of the body to go into what we call a dorsal shutdown. So the body has been through some kind of overwhelming threat and just shuts down. And so for some people, that's depression. For some people, that's not leaving their house. For me, it was an ability to supposedly function in the outside world, but I was just completely disconnected from my body. So I didn't feel anything. I didn't do emotions. I, um, and again, I wasn't really present, right? I wasn't present in conversations with people. So it was only actually when I started healing that I started to feel things. And then there was a period of horrific anxiety and horrific flashbacks and nightmares and all sorts of stuff as my body actually came back online and as I reconnected to myself. But what polyvagal theory teaches us is that, unfortunately, the body has to go through that process in order to be able to come back up into safety. And so there was a period at the start, and I do say this to people as well, you know, like the healing process can get harder before it gets easier. And it does get easier. (laughs) It does get easier. I promise it gets easier. Um, So, yeah, so from the outside, someone might have said, oh, my mental health got worse for a period of time. It certainly felt like it. But any day I would go through that again to get to the place where I am now, because I know that where I am now, that will never get taken away from me now, because I have the skills to be able to keep myself here like not every single second of every single minute right that's impossible but to be able to feel safe and connected and in my body is normal for me now and to me that's the that's what we're trying to achieve when we talk about mental health no i can see that it's kind of like you got to clean up the closet before you know or get rid of the tumor before the body can heal. Exactly. Yeah. I think the tumor makes a little more sense than cleaning out the closet because closets just can keep getting messy. But <laughs> but sometimes that's how it feels when you're... Maybe the closet makes more sense because you're always having to clean out the closet and reorganize it. But because it's an ongoing battle day in, day out. Some days are easier than others. And it does get better where it's manageable. So Yeah, and you know, I think what one I one thing I always want to maintain perspective on is that unless we're prepared to feel our pain, then we don't get to experience the full extent of our joy and our happiness and all of the positive things that life brings as well. We don't get to choose. <laughs> So the more we allow in 
the what is the full range of human experience the more we open ourselves up to true happiness and joy in our lives as well and i i personally think that is worth it every single time okay uh do you remember much of what the grooming process was like for you i remember nothing um even now i have virtually no conscious memory of anything before the age of 15 16 um so i mean i have occasional flashbacks um occasional snippets of pictures things like that that come into my mind but no nothing else um to other victims out there, what advice would you want to give them? Well, I think this is something that you have to discover yourself. But the most important thing to me is that you're not broken. And that there's nothing wrong with you. And that anything that you're struggling with right now is simply a response to the environment, to the surroundings, to the trauma that you were exposed to, that you were forced to live through. And it can be very easy to think, oh, I'm anxious or you know I'm not able to get out of bed so I'm lazy I'm you know I'm this I'm that all that self-blaming stuff it's not your fault you didn't do anything wrong you were just a kid and you're not broken that's the most important message of all to me um what was the most important thing you in your learning? Uh, how to manage, manage my nervous system. Because the nervous system is what controls everything in the body. So, and the trouble is most of us are just, are just at the whim of our body. Right? Something happens in the present moment, we get triggered, we're immediately back in that past memory. The nervous system is bringing up all the sensations of fear, anxiety, stress, worry, whatever was happening in that moment. And we lose control. But if we build the, the skills to be able to master our nervous system, to learn how to respond to that, then it doesn't have power over us. Okay, so certainly that ability to master and to regulate our nervous system is fundamental. Okay, uh, last question. How has this impacted your faith? Hmm. Well, I've never been a religious person, but I certainly think it has taken me on the path of spirituality. That's a door that has opened and I have been grateful to walk through it um and i don't know if your listeners will be familiar with this but part of my experience in central america was um an ayahuasca retreat which is a, a plant medicine that originates in peru i think 
and it can be quite a spiritual experience and it's meant for healing and that's the purpose of taking this medicine and it can provide you with some really clear and deep insights as to um, your trauma but also your purpose and how to move forward through life and when I left that retreat the message that came through to me was that I need to live well, breathe deep and share the message of love. And that's just been at the cornerstone of everything that I do now. And to me, that connection to spirituality and to that world is what is allowing me to put that into practice because that's what spirituality is to me. It's living from a place of love, living from a place of an open heart, you know, opening your heart to others, letting them feel the love that's inside of you. And that's what heals. Uh, and I don't, <laughs> I think I went on a bit of a tangent there. I don't know if that was the answer to your question at all, but there we go. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Bex, thanks for coming on our show. Hope to have you again on here sometime again at some point um is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out um no just thank you for having me and if anyone would like to find me um i have a support group on facebook um i would love for you to come and say hello so you can find me just at bex cronshaw on facebook and um yeah it's been beautiful sharing these things with you so thank you so much all right, guys, this is Rachel on Recovery. You can follow us on social media, uh, find us on your favorite po- podcast platform, or always find us on rachelonrecovery.com. Thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.